Tonight we'll be preaching on seeing good days. Uh, seeing good days. Sometimes I will go and find uh, sermons on the passage I'm preaching on Wednesday night and, and listen to that on the way to work. And I listened to one this morning I thought was kind of interesting because it's from um, the early 2000s. Um, I know that because of the, the topics he was talking about. He started talking about political topics. And he said he was talking about the nation that we lived in. He's talking about our, the United States. And, of course, Peter, as we've been looking at, is dealing with how that we walk with our conversation honest among the Gentiles. So he started a theme back chapter 2, verse 12, and has continued that theme of how we just live honestly um, and honorably among the unsaved in, this, in the world in which we live. And he was talking about how um, wicked our society had become um, so 20 years ago, maybe not quite 20 years ago. And the examples that he was using of the wickedness that was, was in the public square was uh, almost somewhat amusing to hear him, I mean, it, if it wasn't so sad, you know, it was amusing in the sense that uh, he had no idea what was, how bad it was going to get, because he said he, he felt like that the country had reached a turning point, and he said, well, either repent or this is just the beginning, and uh, he was talking about how bad uh, the society had been, but the things that he was describing that were going on in some places in the country at that time, we were talking about that going on in elementary schools before church started. You know, the, the depravity and the wickedness that he said was starting to creep into popular society has now just full bloomed and that's just, that's, uh, that's not even a thing anymore. That, that children uh, talk about things that ought not to be talked about in public. Children, you know, talk, talk about those things. So um, he was talking about how, how to live then, and, and, but the, the principle doesn't change. That, that's what I was thinking, that, that no matter what the country was like 20 years ago or 50 years ago or 100 years ago, the principles here do not change for us. That we still, as Christians live by the principles of what we have here in First Peter. Um, we don't change tactics. We don't uh, have to adopt new plans. We don't abandon what the scriptures say and say, well, this was okay for a while, but now everything's really serious, and so we have to abandon Christian principles and scriptural principles in order that we might uh, live in this really bad society. And you see that a lot. There are uh, Baptists who are uh, forsaking uh, Baptist churches and going out west and, and joining Presbyterian churches because they say, well, we have to get involved in stuff that will save America and save the country. So they forsake biblical principles based upon the culture and based upon um, things that are going on in the government and that kind of thing. But we cannot forsake Christian principle. We cannot forsake what we believe the Bible says for us to do. So it doesn't matter if things are getting worse or if they start to get better. 
what, the, what we are to do doesn't change. I would say probably Peter, the government Peter lived under was probably worse than the one that we live under. And the times that Peter lived in probably just as bad uh, as the times that, w- that we live in. Um, but the thing about the truth is that it doesn't change, it doesn't matter, that we still have to live the way that God would have us live if we want to see these blessings and see these good days. So I think Peter here, when he says finally in verse number 8, is summing up what he started back in chapter 2 about living honest among the Gentiles. He's given specific instructions for living under and among different groups. So he's given instructions on how to live under bad leaders, bad, we, we might, if we contextualize it, we might say bad bosses or um, wives living with husbands who don't obey the word and, and vice versa with the husbands. And now finally, he's going to wrap all this up by general instructions. So he had specific instructions for specific scenarios. Now he has general instructions for general uh, groups. So in this, he addresses living among believers, living in the church with one another, fellow believers, living with unbelievers, and even living with persecutors. So he goes from specifics under specific situations to now general uh, admonitions for and generalized groups of people. So this is just how we are to, to live um, in this life. So first of all, living in bad times. Well, how do we live in bad times? What is it that we are to do as God's people living in bad times? Well, I, I say often that the darker the times get, the easier it is for the light to shine. All right, so um, we have great opportunities as God's children almost daily, to speak the truth about the Lord Jesus Christ because when, when the wicked are so brash about their wickedness, um, we have many opportunities to uh, speak the truth and, and do so in a way that um, we can bring honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is how we are to live in these bad times. First of all, with one another... Um, we are to live being of one mind. We should live in harmony with one another. One mind toward each other like Christ. Now, one mind doesn't mean that we should all have to think alike in everything. So that doesn't mean that uh, everyone has to agree on every opinion about everything. So if we're going to change the carpet, you know, we, we, we wouldn't have to all agree on the same color. If we're going to paint the outside, we wouldn't have to uh, agree on the, the same color or otherwise, um, you know, we all have to have the same opinion about everything. That, that's not what this is talking about. I believe it's talking about just living in harmony with one another as God's people. Remembering one another, one mind in Jesus Christ. So if we think about how it says in uh, Romans chapter 15, in verse number 5, it says, Now the God of patience and consolation. So 
This is the how this happens. We all worship the God of patience and consolation. How are we going to be of one mind? Well, this God of comfort, this God of, of patience, grant unto you. So by grace, by God's grace, he grants unto us to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. That you may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have one mind according to Christ, one mind by the grace of God, uh, a harmony as God's people, a harmony towards one another. So we're not respecters of persons. Um, so if you flip back in chapter 12 of Romans, verse 16, it says, Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not the high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceit. So we treat each other fairly. We treat each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. We, um, we, have, we live in a harmony uh, of spirit. And so you could say one mind could mean we have the same opinion about doctrine, that type of thing. Or it could be one mind as far as uh, one heart, one purpose. Um, so so uh, I kind of think it's more of the latter that, that we have that one purpose. We're all in one mind for the same thing. Unity in Christ and, and one Lord, one faith, one baptism. That, that is the thrust of our unity. And so when we come together, this world is, like we were talking about, this world seems to have just lost its mind. But why is that? Well, that's because of sin. God says in Romans chapter 1 that, that there's a progression to his judgment. The judgment of a nation is, is just progressively doing more and more what the natural man wants. And, and that's what you see here. But, but for us, we should have one purpose in mind, and that is to help each other in these times and to, to watch out for one another and to keep preaching the gospel to one another and encouraging one another and, and having that unity in the true things and not and to remember that we are pilgrims on our way home. So if we remember all the things that, that Peter said that we were in chapter 2 and all the things that we have in Christ from chapter 1 and all the things that Christ has done for us and promised us and given us now, and promised us in the future, and what, who we are, if we remember all those things, and all those promises, and cling to those promises in the word of Christ, having our minds thinking along the same lines about one another, and about this world, and about this life, well then, we can help one another on our journey home. We can help one another as we traverse this wicked world. And to be able to, to help, and if one of us trips and falls, to, to help up, to strengthen those who are weak, to encourage those who are down. Because Peter goes on to say that be all of one mind, and I'll skip a couple of them there, and then go down to the middle of verse 8. Love as brethren. 
to love one another as the family of God. That's how we can, I mean, that's really how you separate. You have those who trust in Christ and those who don't. Those in the family of God and those who are not in the family of God. And we who are in the family of God, a chosen generation, a peculiar people. God has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. In times past, we were not a people of God, but now we are a people of God. Times past, we had not obtained mercy, but now we have obtained mercy. And now we are the dearly beloved. And we're all being attacked with the lust, the war against the soul. And outsiders among the Gentiles in this world, but you and I are, are brothers and sisters in the family of God, of that holy nation. And, and so as we come together, It may be that the only time you get Christian fellowship is, is when you're with your family or, or when you come to the house of God. Uh, oftentimes, uh, oftentimes, you may, uh, I know uh, for most of my uh, work life, I would spend at least 40 hours, 50 hours, 60 hours um, a week with ungodly people. It's all day long. And I'd hear ungodly talk and I'd hear ungodly music and just all day, every day. Then you could come to the house of God and, and be encouraged and, and helped and strengthened by um, people, your brothers and sisters. And have that love of not only Christ, but the love of the brethren. So we love one another as family. Another thing he says is to have compassion one of another. Or be sympathetic, <coughs> showing pity towards one another. And so we can consider ourselves, when we, you know, when you have pity with somebody, that means if you're sympathetic, they're hurting. They're in a worse shape than you are. You don't, you're not sympathetic towards um, a billionaire who's in perfect health and everything's going for him unless you're sympathetic for his soul but but here for for God's people it's you you have pity for somebody who's not doing as well as you are and so we can have pity on them who are sick pity and compassion and have sympathy towards those who are hurting who are suffering loss who are going through a hard time spiritually, who are under great temptation, who are even in weakness, have fallen. And we can go and not crush whenever they messed up or, or consider ourselves lest we fall. Viewing others' weaknesses and others' sins in the light of uh, human frailty and our own weakness so we can have, be sympathetic one towards another and have compassion one towards another. And, and whenever someone comes to us, you know, we should be able to be able to hear one another's trials and temptations without the fear of them 
without the, without fear of someone just uh, saying well, you're probably not even saved. What, what are you talking about? Get, you know, we should be able to talk to one another and ask people to pray for us, not just when we're sick, but brother, I I have a temptation. I, I need help, or sister, I I have uh, this burden. I need I need you to pray for me, or I, I'm perplexed about what's going on in my life. Get, can, can I talk to you, right? We should have compassion one for another and be open and willing and, and ready to, to help one another as we journey home because there's not one of us in here that's perfect. There's not one of us in here that doesn't struggle. There's not one of us in here that, that doesn't have problems and trials. And so having compassion one another just admits and confesses that not everybody's got it all going on and not everybody's got it all figured out. It's built into the system that God's people in the family um, are, are going to struggle in this flesh. If we didn't, then we wouldn't have to have compassion on the people. Compassion is being Christ-like. Christ had compassion. Now, Christ never excused sin. He never excused it. He never said, uh, he never condoned sin. Some people will look at it that way. Well, you know, Jesus ate with sinners, so he condoned sin. Well, he never condoned sin. But he was compassionate towards his people. And he was sympathetic towards their, their, their trials. And when Christ did heal and teach... It was with the view of uh, drawing sinners to himself, strengthening sinners in their walk with him. So we can have compassion one for another. Uh, next, we find that we, to see good old days, we live being pitiful towards one another. Paul translated it, uh, or it's translated in Paul's epistle to the Ephesians as tenderhearted. Paul didn't translate it, but you know what I mean. In Ephesians 4, it's translated tenderhearted. Ready to help, ready to forgive. Ready to weep with those who weep, but rejoice with those who rejoice. It's easy to get uh, cynical. In a dark time, it's easy to get cynical. It's easy to uh, especially whenever you get so much information nowadays so much uh, news and so forth from all over the world and you just you get too much of that then it's hard to to be tender hearted about things if, if you just have one trial after another after another after another you see and um, but, but we are to be a tender-hearted people towards each other, ready to help, ready to uh, come along beside one another, to be courteous or respectful of one another, friendly, as some uh, say in, in the Septuagint, which is a Greek translation of the Old Testament, um, this word is found as in the Proverbs as humble. It's translated humble in that way. 
So it's, it's being, it's thinking about the other person. You know, if we just take out the way we use courteous, well, what is it when somebody's courteous? Well, they're thinking about other people. They're not being rude because somebody who's being rude doesn't think about anybody else. They don't care about anybody else. They don't care about their comfort. They don't care about their uh, point of view or anything such as that. They just care about themselves. And if that's not how we are to be towards one another. We are to consider other people. Put other people before ourselves. Put other people's comfort before our own comfort. Put other people's well-being before our own. So in verse number 9, it says, Not rendering evil for evil, railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing, knowing that you are there and too called that you should inherit a blessing. Well, how do we... Are, how are we to act whenever we're attacked about something? Well, if we're falsely accused about something. Well, we're not to take advantage, a revenge. That's the first thought. So we're to you know, take return fire with fire. That's the first thought about this. Well, if we listen to our hearts in times of suffering and persecution, we would pay evil for evil. If I receive evil, I want to pay it back. That's just the way, that's the way I am. I would say you're probably the same way. That that's your first natural instinct. Think about Stephen whenever he was getting stoned and he, he prayed for those who were stoning him. That's an amazing thing to think about, that he was praying for those who were, who were murdering him. God would not lay it to their charge. Well, that's just the grace of God. That's the blessing of the Holy Spirit in his life. Um, giving him that Christ-likeness who prayed on the cross, Father, forgive them. But if we listen to our natural hearts in times of suffering, we, we'd want to repay evil for evil. But Peter says, no, don't do that. Don't render it, even though that might be the natural instinct. Or railing for railing, or or cursing for cursing, slander for slander. Proverbs twenty twenty two says, "Say thou, say not thou, I will recompense it. Evil, but will wait on the Lord, and He shall save thee. Wait and trust in the Lord. God will make all things right in the end. That is how we are to live. Not rendering evil, not paying back evil for evil, or railing for railing." But, contrary-wise, blessing for evil and blessing for railing. Now, this is our calling, is what it says. Knowing that you're called to that. We're called to bear injustice, 1 Peter 2, 20. We're called unto good works. We're called to an eternal... Um, blessing this is what the Lord would have for us to do and so it's more than just 
refraining our lips, not repaying evil for evil, but keep a stiff upper lip. That's kind of a stoicism. Just saying, well, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to keep a stiff upper lip, grin and bear it, and just go on. Well, that's not what this is saying. In fact, it's saying whenever we are done poorly, will you treat them you treat them right. I was thinking about this, and I wonder if that's where uh, the old Southern uh, bless your heart came into. Um, you know, down South, especially, someone says, bless your heart. Well, you don't know if they're, <laughs> you don't know what they mean by that. You, you would think it, uh, that would be something sweet, but usually it's, uh, usually they're um, mad at you whenever they tell you, well, bless your heart. Um, so maybe they're saying, well, somebody does me wrong or I'm aggravated or something, well, I'll just return a blessing. But it doesn't come out that way, right? So that, that, that's not what this verse is saying. But um, when someone does us poorly, well, we can do them good. When someone does us um, uh, evil, instead of returning evil back, well, we can do something good for them. We can bless them. I heard a story of a guy that's in the army, he's in boot camp, and um, the drill sergeant was making fun of this guy because he's a Christian, always giving him a hard time, and um, he took his boots and threw them at him one time, um, there right before they, they went down for the evening, and hit him with them, just being cruel to him. Well, the guy woke up early in the morning, his boots were right there by his bed, and the, the guy had stayed up and took his boots and polished them. His boots were shiny um, whenever he woke up. So he was, he was cursing him, beating him, treating him poorly. Well, this guy took that, and, and instead of just leaving him sit there or taking him back, no, he stayed up and blessed him. And what do you think that did to that, that, uh, that man? Well, it convicted him, didn't it? It made him stop and think what he was doing. Uh, you and I have a... A peculiar ability uh, or opportunity, I should say, to to witness to people, take people by surprise, in the sense that we don't we do something that they're not expecting us to do. That we can actually go and and provide for them uh, blessings that they would have never expected, in a way that we can give glory unto Christ. So this is Peter's way to live in a bad times, to see the good life, to live the, the good days. Because that's what we've been called to do. <clears throat> Another thing that we've been called to do is that of the, the holy priesthood. That's what we are, that's what it says. That we are a holy priesthood. Well, Hebrews chapter 5 and verse number 12 tells us what a priest's job is to do. Now, this is the high priest, but still the job of a priest. Hebrews chapter 5, verse number 1 says, For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in the things pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. 
who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way, for him, for that he himself is also compassed with infirmity. Now we don't offer sacrifices for sins, do we? But we have a high priest who does offer, who did offer himself for sins. But you notice what the priest does? He has compassion on those that are out of the way. He has compassion on the ignorant or, in, or those people who don't even know they're out of the way. And so when we're out and we're receiving railings and when we're being persecuted, you and I can, can do the work of evangelists in this regard and we can say, well, the Lord has called me to be a holy priest. I'm in a holy priesthood. And I can do good. I can do blessings in this life. So I'm not talking about spiritual blessings, but, but you can bless people. You can do good to people. Bless them that do evil towards you and have compassion on people. In a hard society full of hard-hearted people, a rare thing is for someone to have compassion. Someone have mercy. Someone to be tender-hearted. You know, it's common now for everybody to be hard, for everybody to be angry, for everybody to um, trying to one-up the other. But what a witness and testimony it is to the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ when his people return blessing for evil, return kind words of compassion with, with cursing. It's a shocking thing. We're not going to get to it tonight, but it's so shocking that people will ask you a reason for the hope that is within you in verse 15 of our text. Why is it that you can do that to me? How is it that you can treat me so kindly when I've treated you so poorly? Oh, I've inherited the blessing. I was lost in trespasses and sins when Jesus Christ saved my soul. And I have eternal life and an inheritance um, incorruptible that fades not away. And my Lord has called me to be a blessing, to, to glorify Him, to be kind and compassionate just like He was to me. And we can, we can witness to those about us. So that's living with believers and unbelievers, even persecutors, that's sort of the general principles by which we live. And then the, the second point is good days and bad times. Verse number 10. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord against them that do evil. So we want to see good days, don't we? That's what I, I would love. I would love to see good days. I would love for my kids to, to see good days. I feel sorry for uh, 
I feel sorry for kids. They had three years of their lives sort of wiped out. You can see studies of, I think one of the boys is telling me that um, people who graduated, I think last year, most of them are not even can't even pass the, the SAT or the ACT, the statistics are showing. It was just like they didn't go to school for three years. They didn't interact with people for three years. They're, they're, they're saying now that a lot of young babies are, are not where they are developmentally because they didn't see faces for a long time. Some of them didn't. Uh, and how important that contact was and, and to, to their mental development. And then just this world is so uh, turned upside down. Well, I, I long to see good days. But the, the text tells us that we can see those despite, I think it's despite what the world is. That God's people can see those days among ourselves and in our homes. Might not see it out in the world, but we can see it here in the church. We can see it in our homes. And we're headed that way to an eternal life of good days. But we should cultivate that in our homes and in our churches and do the best that we can in our communities. I, I can't do anything in Los Angeles, California. But I can do something Queen Shoals, right? I can do something in Clay County. I can do something um, among, in the church, in my home, in my family. And that's what that's where God has called me, not to the big wide world, but to here in this one place. And you too, here in this one place. And so I think we we can have a desire to to see good days. And we find out how to do that. It's talking about loving life. And you read that at first and you think, oh, he's gonna talk about those people who love the world. No, it doesn't say uh, love in the world. He says, for he that will love life. There's nothing wrong with loving life. The gift of God in Jesus Christ is eternal life. So there's nothing wrong with life. Life is precious. Every one of us this morning had a precious gift of the grace and kindness of God that we, we got out of bed. We woke up. Every time we take a breath, that's a gift from God. We should love the life that God has given us and desire to be one for his glory. To see good days is to know God and to enjoy him in the life that he's given us. And to love him and to love one another and to seek to, to glorify him by doing good works for one another. And if the world can't have good days, well, let's see that you and I have them together as God's people. So if we want to enjoy life and see the good days of our life, then follow the Lord Jesus. Well, it seems counterintuitive that Peter would say, well, if you love life and see the good days, then live, live as meek and humble. Especially in light of the fact that we spent several weeks examining the truth that this world, we're going to have nothing but troubles. Now, did Peter forget what he was just saying? <laughs> this world is gone um, crazy. There's 
persecutions, there's troubles, there's trials everywhere. And now he talks about loving life and seeing good days. Well, what's going on here? What's, uh, what's, Peter, what's Peter talking about? Well, verses 10 and 12 are a quotation from Psalm 34. We won't turn there, but you can read Psalm 34 later, and you see that Peter's sort of riffing on that. It's not a direct quotation, but the meaning is the same. Peter's explaining the text of Psalm 34. He quotes a lot of scripture, Peter does. You notice his epistle here, um, also his sermons in the book of Acts. Peter, Peter quotes a lot of scripture, and he rightly expounds it. He draws inferences and then makes application to the truth of Psalm 34. And Peter is saying, remember what Psalm 34 tells you. Same truth as back there is today. So remember how I said it doesn't matter what kind of society that we live in, the principles are the same? Well, Peter, Peter said the same thing, didn't he? Didn't matter if it was the days of David or the days of Peter or our days. The principles here are the same. Doesn't matter if the king of Israel is in control. Doesn't matter if the Caesar of Rome is in control. Doesn't matter if our government who's in control. The principles are the same because our God is the same and our inheritance that we have in Christ is never changing. So if we want to see love life and see good days, we need to look at everything in the right way. If we can only be happy with possessions, then we'll never be happy. If we can only be happy whenever things go right in the world, then we'll never be happy. There's a big difference between loving life and seeing good days and loving the world. John says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away. And the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. 1 John 2, 15-17. Loving that's a worldliness. That's not the, the real love. That's not loving life. They, the world thinks that's loving life. Getting as much as you can for as long as you can by any means necessary. But loving life is loving the precious gift of life for the glory of God. Well, how do we have that life? B.H. Carroll said, you can sum it up with this. Watch out what you do, and watch out about what you pursue. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. So run from evil and do good. Seek peace and run that direction. So watch out what you run for and to, and watch out what you're doing along the way. Run away from evil and do good. Seek peace and run towards it. Work towards peace. Desire peace. Do good. Run from evil. And that's the blessings you have. That's the blessings of God um, in, in, in this life.
the world says fight and scratch and claw and get to the top. Live for yourself. God says seek peace. God says do good one to another. Why? We want to see good days. Well, God sees us. In verse 12, the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them and do evil. There will be injustices. There will be uh, sins that would seem to go unpunished. We'll do good and people do evil to us and we'll repay their evil with good and then they'll just laugh at us and walk away. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. His ears are open to your prayers. And the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. God sees your good. The blessings from this, the blessings that come, come from above, don't they? It's what the Bible tells us. That true good blessings come from the Father. Well, the Father sees what you do. And the Father knows your heart. Father also sees the evildoers. He hears their mocking, hears their cruelty. He also hears your prayers. He hears your weary sighs. He hears your, your cries in the night. He sees what's done to his people. He sees what's done in this world. And it will not go unpunished. He sees every sin, every curse, every lie, every blasphemy. But you, child of God, he is on your side. He sent his only begotten son into this world to die for your sins. He, Christ rose from the dead and sits at the right hand of the Father. You are living stones in the living stone. You are you used to not be a people, but now you are a people. You used to not have mercy, but now you have it. And he's called you home. And we're on that journey uh, to our eternal rest. And he sees every tear. He, he hears every cry. He sees every uh, work of of love and compassion and pity and sympathy that you do in his name. He sees how you love the brethren. He sees how you strive for peace among God's people. He sees how you, you desire harmony in the house of God. And the blessings that come from a good life come from the Father's hands, who has promised that to his people. Now, this doesn't mean material blessings, though it could be material blessings, but it doesn't mean that. It's the blessings that come from God, better blessings than that of the world. So it doesn't matter if the country gets worse or if it gets better. It doesn't matter who's in charge. It doesn't matter how bad it gets or how, how good it can be again. These principles of for those who love life and want to see good days remain the same.
to love God, to love Christ, to love one another, to, to give, to sacrifice for one another, to be pitiful and courteous to one another, and to do good works that our Father be glorified in heaven. And so let us, let us meditate on these things and see how we can um, bless our community and bless our homes and bless our bless the church by um, following the uh, these principles for the the good life um, we might say in Christ Jesus. We we'll pray, the Lord, as.